0: IFSA is an organization of fire service personnel dedicated to upgrading firefighting techniques and safety through training. Between their manuals,
1: e-books, apps, curriculum, exam prep, resource one, and more, firefighter training has never been more customizable than with IFSA FPP products. Visit them at ifsta.org for more information.
2: And I believe we are live right now, making sure everything's good, Um, and can everybody hear me okay?
1: Because it should have been starting.
2: Yeah, everything should be up now. now. No, it didn't didn't come
1: down. Or the the sponsorship stuff.
2: Yeah, we should be good now. No, we got it all came through. It came through on my end, guys. So let me uh, welcome everybody in. Let me welcome everybody in. And uh, uh, we got an interesting uh, show. We have an interesting guest tonight. And uh, as always, for the people that have listened to Generation Engine now for, uh, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but we've been doing it for a while now. Uh, We always start off with introductions, so let me start with introductions first. Uh, My name is Todd Edwards. I did over 30 years with the city of Atlanta, operate a small training company, bounce around all over the country, and just have the honor and uh, truly the privilege to get to teach and work with firefighters and officers uh, throughout the country. Um, My co-host, I'll let him introduce himself. Go ahead, Anthony.
1: Anthony Rowett, I'm a... captain with mobile fire in mobile alabama i've been here a little over 14 and a half years or so and then three years as a volunteer in northern new jersey before that then like todd a small training company and get to make a bunch of friends and travel around the country and see how different people do things and learn from everybody so and excited for what uh we're going to talk about tonight
2: awesome awesome and now for our guest, i'm just i'm gonna let uh we'll let chief introduce himself and give us a little background his organization and uh what he's currently up to. So go ahead, Rob.
0: Well, my name is Rob Fisher. I'm a battalion chief in uh state of Washington, Snohomish County. Um, I'm a suburban firefighter. So uh, I've been with the department for 35 years. Uh, my current position as a battalion chief, I'm, I'm running our County fire Academy. Um, but I was a line battalion for five years prior to that spent, uh, 20 years on the ladder truck, which is why I'm not understanding why I got invited to this, this engine, <laughs> um, podcast and everybody's giving me shit about it. I was told we we're going to be talking about leadership, but, um, unlike you guys, I was smart. I didn't start my own training company. I jumped on with others. And so I, uh, teach with brothers in battle and, um, County fire tactics and, uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate to have a great career. And uh, love what I do.
2: That's awesome, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, Brothers in Battle. They got some things coming up uh, this year, and I'm glad to see uh, see them getting out more again, and and uh, how well Cody's doing and uh, living out in the middle of uh, God's country and all the incredible, incredible guys that uh, are a part of that a part of that team that Rob's a part of. So definitely don't want that to slide by. I don't. I don't want us to. Uh, do a podcast on fire engineering without us first and foremost uh passing on our own personal condolences and um uh, with the passing of uh, bobby hall the changes and what he brought to the fire service and his this unwavering commitment not just to the magazine and obviously the FDIC, but to just <clears throat> the fire service in general, I think is uh, a true legacy that he is, uh, he's left behind and he's left it in good hands with uh, David Rhodes now running
0: the show and
2: <clears throat> his incredible, uh, staff there at FDIC and along with the magazine. And we definitely, you know, um, he believed in us and believed in Rowett and starting this podcast and. We're super excited to be a part of Fire Engineer magazine. I just wanted to make sure that we did not go through this uh, episode without passing on our own condolences and appreciation for everything he did for all of us uh, over these past 18 years. So let's uh, let's kind of get into this. And and Rob's right. I did not ask uh, Chief Fisher to come on to an engine podcast and, and talk about truck stuff but we kind of dialed in on something because of some of the things that chief fisher was directly involved in with his own organization obviously and i'm going I just want to take a step aside and before i get into the actual topics we're going to talk about leadership challenges and hopefully we're going to offer up some solutions to some things this evening but what what do you guys and i i got to be a very small part of uh some of your some of the work you're doing out there when I had some of your new guys actually interview me uh, a few weeks ago, but kind of talk about your actual academy and your all academy there and your organization for us too.
0: Okay. Um, well, our, like I said, I'm, I'm running the um, fire academy for our county and so our county is um, uh, there's six departments in the consortium that feed into the fire academy. So, my, my specific department, um, we graduate, um, recruits out every spring and every fall, and then they go on to a probation in in our department. Uh, I would say our probation is, is pretty it's, – it's fairly structured and uh, is a year long. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that they have to do, a lot of work. Um, we are very culture-focused and um, – and we are, you know, hands-on focused as well, but we really want to get to, like, what is the person to the – get inside the person, and, and we want all of our firefighters to become future leaders. And um, so with our probies, uh, it, it's not consistent across the board where every probie does this, but in, on my shift and my, one of the other battalions on my shift, we, we really worked hard with our probies. And I can't even say this was my idea. This was one of our company officers' ideas to take the probies when they get done with their year-long probation and to interview leaders within the American Fire Service all across the nation. And the primary focus is, like, you know, understanding where they came from, but but what's their motivation, what keeps them going, and, um, you know, what's their leadership style, essentially, what uh, – You know, what what did they do through their fire service to keep them engaged? And so we wanted them to to do these things. So uh, two of our probies that were on my shift, um, uh, we had them call and talk to, I don't know, it was probably about six other leaders, Uh, Todd, you being one of them, uh, Chief Brush, um, uh, Aaron Fields. So they talked to, uh, they even talked to, uh, uh, company officers and firefighters are re- retired from this region as well. So they get local and they get outside perspective. And, and then when they get done with that, they, uh, put together a presentation. They give the presentation to, to the entire shift, um, over video conference to kind of explain what they found, what are the things, what are, you know, what can they do to, to, to prepare themselves? Because you're going to come off of, you're going to come off of probation, which is high intensity, and then all of a sudden everything is going to seem like it slows down. And so what we want to do is we want to keep these high performers, keep them, keep them running at a high, you know, high RPM, uh, keep them engaged, and, and, and further them along. Um, in addition to that, as you mentioned, um, uh, we do an officer development academy uh, every year. And in the past, when um, sections that I've done, i like to bring in people like yourself give outside perspective and give leadership perspectives on you know um what's it like on the other side of the country um i'm i'm in washington it's a very liberal state so things are a little bit different here than where they are where anthony's at where you're at in in atlanta so um trying to get varying perspectives to understand people in general leadership in general and what the american fire service is about so Um, So we do that part of the ODA. I had uh, Chief Ike come on one time. Uh, Actually, you and Chief Ike have been on. Uh, Chief Brush has been on, and so others. And so just trying to get the small little piece that I'm at right here and our firefighters, get them to understand a little bit more outside of little Snohomish County.
2: Yeah, and I and I, and I love, I, you know, the reason I brought that up, Chief, was because I, I when you asked me about doing it, especially with your two uh, two rookies, I thought, man, what a very unique and cool idea that you're taking these guys, basically fresh out of the academy, and you're introducing them um, to to firefighters and and bosses throughout the country. I thought that was just such a unique and cool idea. And, uh, I hope that anybody listening will kind of look at doing things like that and you start expanding, you know, their knowledge base. Right now, all they know is what you guys have given them, but you, you guys coming outside that box, I thought was huge. And um, a couple things kind of that kind of leads us into, uh, and I'm going to start with, uh, I'm going to ask Anthony to start us off with this. What do you think, uh, uh, Captain Rowett? Or, What are some of the new challenges you think leaders are facing today uh, pre, you know, some of your mentors, not what your mentors face, but what are some of the challenges, I know some
1: of them, but what are some of the challenges you're facing or some of the new challenges you see on the horizon for leaders? Um, So, I I think it's kind of the same as any time we've kind of brushed on this in the past with different guests. For me, um, it's coming up, even though I've only been in, you know, coming up on 15 years, I've always... My mentors were all thirty year guys then they 'd been around they were in the the early 80s, some were late seventies to early nineties is when they all came into the department and that 's the department they knew and they went, ran their stations that that way and that 's kind of all I knew coming up and a lot of things have changed it 's not really that way anymore. Some of the stations are, but um, you know you just still not the same way and I feel like it went from The attitude was very much you asked to be here, this is the way it is, adapt to it, adjust to it, learn how to deal with the way we lead And because you wanted to be a part of this, where now it's find a way to see what works for the different people you have, you know, so it's more of a this is instead of this is my leadership style and you're going to deal with it, you know, this is what you're going to do, you're going to say yes sir and you're going to do it and you'll learn why later, so now you're looking at the different The different people you have and you're realizing okay this person's gonna respond well to this this person responds well to this and you're doing everything you can to be equal to everybody across the board you're still treating everybody the same but now it's more of a find a leadership style that works for that person to get the best out of them versus the this is the way it is like it or don't but you asked to be here Um, so I think that's kind of a challenges especially if you came up and that's not the way it was. So if you came up and it was, hey, do this, he's the captain, he said to do it, you do it, and you don't ask why, so now you're you're having to learn how to adapt what you what you learn and you watch your mentors do to find, okay, well, this person's going to respond best to this type of leadership versus this person's actually going to shut down. Um, like if you take, and you know a lot of my guys, but a lot of them respond well if they make a mistake to so you just get up you go right up to them right in their face and say, man, you screwed up. We can't do that again. And the first, they're going to react very positively to that because they're actually going to take it, and that becomes fuel for them to get better because they don't want to make the same mistake twice. But if you re- react in the exact same way to somebody else with a different type of personality, they may just shut down, and now it's, it's even worse. You've got even less chance of them doing a good, you know, responding by getting better, where other people it's actually going to push them. Um, so I think that, that's like the big challenge, at least that I'm seeing, like with my job is it's not the way I was taught by my mentors or at least the the model they set for me that I observed and saw and said, this is how the captain did things, this is how it works. Where it was, it was just the captain said it, you did it. He, he was experienced. He knew what to do. And you could ask questions later where now it's not that you asked to be a part of this. This is the way it is. You either like it or you don't. That doesn't exist anymore, and it's more of a find a way to meet the needs of this person. Even though the job didn't change, it adjusted to people changing. Which to me, everyone says generations. I don't think it's necessarily generations as it is the way generations were taught. I think like I was taught differently in school, and than it was, you know, when you went to school, and that translates to now when you come into the fire department you're more expecting of someone to, more accepting of you see something different or you want to know the answer, I want to ask why. And we've talked about the asking why a lot. We both, we both like people to ask why, but it's a timing thing. But that wasn't the way, even when I came in, my captain was good about it. I could ask him why. It was a timing thing. Hey, captain, what you see that made you make that call? Obviously, that wasn't on scene. It was when we got back to the firehouse. And he would take all the time in the world with me to explain it so I could learn from it. But there was other captains that you just didn't ask that question because that's not their leadership style. But They were the captain. They said to do it, and you just did it. And that was the accepted way because you wanted to be a part of this, and that's just the way it was. And I think it's that adjustment period of seeing how to lead people to get the same result when the model that was set for you isn't accepted anymore, if that makes sense. that That model I saw, and you guys probably saw because you've been in longer than I have, was the – He's the boss. He said to do it, you do it. And now there's five different leadership styles for each person to get the best out of that person versus he's just the boss and that's his way. Okay. <laughs>
2: Rob, T. Fisher, what do you think? Some of the challenges.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree with a lot of what uh, Anthony's saying. I mean, when you – I think when you look at it, it is generational, and I know that we get tired of going, well, they're a millennial or, you know, they're Gen Z or whatever. But the reality is is that when we look at society in general is that society is evolving. It's changing. You know, if we get out of the leadership model and we just talk about how did we live in the 40s versus the 50s versus the 60s all the way up to this point, society is changing. And and I don't want to get into a big political thing, but you know, society becomes like in parts of the country more liberal than other parts of the country, and that has an influence on how we are going to live our lives. If we want to complain about the millennials, well, then I have to complain myself because I raised the millennial. And when we look at like the Gen X, which is me, and I'm assuming Todd, you're in the Gen X, or maybe you're a Boomer, but we were raised by the boomers, so how we handle things is based off of how we were raised. the m- millennials were raised in a different environment because us Gen Xers, we wanted to protect them. We were gen X we wanted to you know we wanted everything we could get materialistic, we wanted to get our hands on it. where the boomers were like, no, no, you know what they were they came out of the came out of the war and everything they're like no, no no, we just we're just going to We're going to hunker down. We're going to save our money. Well, Gen X went and was like, hey, I want everything I can get my hands on. I want to show that I I have accomplished things. Then we produced the the millennials, and the millennials, we overprotected them. And then now you've got, you know, Gen Z. Well, Gen Z is the only one of the generation, and we'll look at, like, in the American Fire Service, you got X, you got millennials, and you got Gen Z now working in the American Fire Service. Gen Z is the only one that has had – access internet access their entire lifetime that's all they've known so to 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 mm-hmm. anthony's about asking questions you know or trying to adjust your leadership style for that individual i would say one of the challenges for leadership leaders now that you didn't have in the 60s is you better be right with your shit because somebody can look that up mm-hmm. you know and and there's you could you could argue that there's dirty data out there or dirty information or, you know, you can find anything to, to prove your point. But, but if I was a leader in the, in the 60s in the fire service and I said this is the way that it is and the reason why and, and fire does this and fire does that, nobody could really look that up easily and, and confirm what I had. They had to trust that, that's how, that I knew everything. Well, now, you know, we can look it up. And now we can be challenged. As leaders, we can be challenged by our younger Um, uh, firefighters that what we're saying is not correct. And in some cases, once we do that, then we lose credibility as a leader. So if I would say if there's, if there's one challenge for leaders today, it's, it's one, knowing that you can have your, your, have your, whatever you're deciding is, you know, whatever you're, you're, you're standing behind, that could be checked and confirmed. The other thing, the other thing would be, um, simply, you know, the, the challenge of, if, if i've got that stuff being checked and um and i don't have access to it it's like am i am i leading to the to the individual or am i leading to the organization what is what is my focus what am i what am i trying to get at in in the organization um if i if i'm challenged on something say like i say fire is a certain way or let's we'll go roof you know roof operations. you talk about controversial across the nation it's like we believe it. If I say these are the reasons why it's going on, somebody can look that data up and they can say, hey, no, this, is, this isn't correct, right? Um, so I see that as being being a challenge for leaders. And the other thing is the idea that we have one leadership style is, is incorrect. You'll hear people all the time, what type of leader are you? Oh, I want to be a servant leader. Well, that word is so, you know, it's so overused. The idea, though, that you want to be um, – you want to be caring for your people and you want to put your people first makes sense. But the reality is when it comes to leadership, we have to have a leadership style that evolves with the people that we're working with. And, and again, to Tony's point about, you know, we need, to, we need to adjust to who they are, but we're doing that because that gets the mission accomplished. We're not doing it just because we thought, oh, hey, this is this just is the thing to do. Even the military has kind of gone away from the idea that this is an all-knowing person. There's only one leadership style. It's it's authoritarian, you know, and and it's not that way at all in, in, in the military. The military is actually making adjustments to being more aware of, like, what influence do we have? What, you know, what impact does it have on the individual? And they're taking those things into consideration.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I agree with what you just said. Uh, I think there was literally layer upon layer. Uh, and I always, every time we do these, I jot down little notes myself because it gets, you know, always keeps me thinking about things. And, yeah, generationally, I think one of the uh, – as great as technology is <laughs> – it also creates a lot of information overload. It also creates a lot of bad information at times where, like you said, I can look up uh, 50 case studies that would say vertically ventilate a two-story, and I can look up 50 case studies and say, oh, my God, never vertically ventilate. So those are some things to me from a leader and, and for instructors. Uh, you said something early on, Chief, that I, I literally jotted it down. I jotted down one word and or the little sentence you said in there that i thought needed to be stressed leaders today instructors today uh, uh chiefs today there you have no margin for error anymore you've got to have your shit together all the time and i think that's where sometimes we don't always do that and it's very plus when i'm at i do a lot of officer development training I'm always a little amazed. I'm not saying that every class, but there's always a handful of guys in every class when you ask simple questions on how many civilians are killed every year in this country or how many line of duty deaths do we have? And, uh, you know, when was the last time anybody, you know, looked at and reviewed the NIST studies on Flow Path? And the information overload isn't just on the fire service. People are in a day with just thousands and thousands and thousands of bits of information. And I think sometimes one of the challenges we have that we'd never faced before as I was coming up, guys aren't there for the 24-hour or 48-hour shift into the job. They're into a 1,000 other things. Um, I made a point with a guy the other day who could recite, you know, his starting lineup for his fantasy team, all the stats, and how many carries his running back had and how many yards. But, you know, the guy didn't know, you know, the difference between solid bore and combination ounces. So – There is – those, to me, are challenges leadership-wise of getting guys engaged into the fire service on a more, you know, both physical level and the mental side of things, and I don't always see that. I think that's one of the things that we need to do a better job of from a leadership standpoint is getting guys engaged back into the job. Um, As I was coming up, everybody was in. I mean, everybody was – that firehouse because they wanted to go to fires. And that's not the case everywhere we traveled to. So I, I thought that was, you could literally just take that one topic and spend hours debating. Um, and I wrote down some other notes that I'll bring up later that I think, uh, you know, for as far as like the solution side of some things. Um, and Anthony, you kind of went down this path a little bit, but, um, and I think we kind of grazed into the old school versus new school leadership styles. Uh, for Chief Fisher, how much have you had to change and, and I know it's you know some people freak out when I bring it up <laughs> this uh, this notion, and it's drifting into the fire services is that woke kind of mentality. Uh, I had a, a boss call me about six months ago, and his uh, new firefighter said that he was training too much and actually filed a complaint with the union on the uh, number of times they trained in a month. And felt like he wasn't <laughs> getting enough downtime. And they, this is yeah, a new well, challenge, this this generation, this woke ideology that it's okay that you know we can't, we have to be allotted X amount of this and X
0: amount of that. Well, I, I, I mean, I'll let me. I, I want to answer a little bit more back to what we were saying, and I'll we'll go to the the woke um, mentality. But I would say go, about the leadership point, if if we. If we're going to be challenged on things, the the benefit to us as leaders and the benefit to the American fire service is the good leaders are going to become better students because they know that they're going to be challenged. And if there is controversy on data, like when to do vertical ventilation, when not to do vertical ventilation, they can't just pull up and say, hey, because I said so, they're going to have to have some more, you know, they're going to have to look into it more. So I think what it does is that the, the, the newer generation is going to pull our leaders to be better students. And we're seeing that. I mean, when I look at, when I came into the fire service and where we're at today, not only is that, you know, I, I see better, better firefighters. I think, I mean, not everybody's into the job, but when I came on, not everybody was in the job where I was at either. Um, and there's more people, more firefighters into the job. And then the other thing I think that it does is it makes us as leaders be more humble, and we need more humility as leaders. We need to be able to understand that. And so I think it will make us better. Now, going to this woke kind of um, movement, um, I mean, I know you asked me, you said, hey, I'd like to talk about this ahead of time. And I'm like, okay, well, I wanna make sure that I understood it. So I actually had to look it up just so I understood it because yeah. I know that a lot of it is a lot of it is, is it goes on in my area because of where I'm at in in the country, um, but it's been around for a long time and and it and it and essentially it's just a movement of of being aware of your political you know the political surroundings of, of what's going on. I'm just being general and saying it now. I I personally don't have issue with a lot of the people that want to believe, you know, what their lifestyle is, how they do things, I have no issues with it. What I care about is are you, are you into the job? Do you do the job? Do you care about people? Because ultimately, I mean, I want to go to fires every single day, but ultimately we're dealing with people more than we're dealing with structure fires. If you're, if you're into all of those things, then you and I are going to be able to work. Now, I am also in a very strong union state, just the same as like California. And so, yeah, I've, I've, I've had complaints early on in my career as a company officer for training at night and that have gone through the union and the union like, you know, goes to the ops chief and says, Hey, you know, the contract says this. And, and I think <laughs> all of those can be, you can work around those because it's, it's, it's about how do you approach the situation? if I create an environment where I'm like, Hey guys, you know, I'm going to give you guys three hours off during the day. Cause I want to do a, a drill from seven to nine o'clock at night. You know, I want to do a night drill. I'm working with my crew. I'm going to create an environment where the crew wants to be there. If somebody doesn't like what they're doing, they're going to move themselves out of my station. And, um, and, and I think that I can, I can handle that. Now, as for the, the amount of, of transients and homeless people that we deal with that are, might be in this this group that you're talking about, um, we are in a part of the country that is struggles with that. Um, it rains here a lot. I don't know why homeless people like to be where it rains. It's because we give a lot of <laughs> of services, I guess. But um, you know, I try to be a good human and try to be as compassionate as I can for them, and and try to you know to to provide a service, you know, that's to the the actual we'll call it the customer. But um as for the firefighters that are working for us in our organization, I'm not really seeing too many too many troubles with that. Now it's it's never perfect. You know, I've never worked in in a in a part of the country where there's been discrimination um and had to deal with that. And uh so i you know i wouldn't really even know how to deal with it to be honest with you i'd, I'd be scratching my head going w- what's going on here but in some parts of the country it is a it is part of what goes on so i know i'm not answering it fully but that's that's how i see it in all reality chief and i'll be honest i think you
2: answered it uh the way it has to be answered because the one of the statements you said early on, uh, and and I, I talk about this a lot when I'm teaching is that if you're not humble as a, as a leader, if you're not humble as an instructor, you're going to find your days to be very difficult and very long at times. Um, and and I think that's such a huge, huge thing. Uh, when we look at these different styles, um, I can definitely tell you, uh, my dad, being my first boss, was not the most humble man, and he was very of uh, the old-school mentality as a leader. And that's how he was raised, and that's what I was under, and that's what I witnessed. But I also saw the positives from those things, too. And one of the things that I also want to make sure, and I uh, I, I think Anthony even touched on this, and you did too, finding styles that work for individuals is one thing. But I think we also, as leaders, have to have styles not just for people But we also have styles for situations. When you brought up, you know, the people business, you know, every situation is a little bit different and not everything is the cut and dry two room and content, push the front door and the fire goes out. Um, We do deal with more of the individuals than we do the fire. So I think we have to have leadership styles for both our individual folks and for the situation we're dealing with at that time. I think those are huge things. I we'll kind of backtrack with, uh, with uh, Kat Murrow Ed here real quick on the, the difference in what you're seeing and, and we're in, she brought it up. I know uh, us both seeing in the South that we've both seen it. I've been on both sides of that fence when you talk about the uh, individual, where people are discriminated against. Is that something uh, from a leadership standpoint that you think is going to be prevalent or is that something we're getting better at?
1: Uh, I, I think we're getting better at it Personally but I think because of the The past history of it that went on Years ago it's constantly Something you're dealing with Or You, you evaluate a situation and that's Kind of in the forefront because it Was an issue before that was Still causing problems for so many years um, that, that it's Something that's still prevalent To deal with um, For me I haven't had to deal with much of it um, as far as personally with my guys, um, it just hasn't been something that's an issue. Uh, they, everyone here, it's like one big family, and and people's color stuff like that just doesn't really matter. But because of the past history, like Rob said, he he didn't deal with it much, so it wasn't something that he'd have to. It's something he'd have to scratch his head about it if it came up. It's something that did come up so much that when we have something come up, you're you're constantly evaluating from that viewpoint as well um, and always kind of evaluating it on that level as well as just every, every other aspect of what's going on. That's always something that is in the forefront because you know, it is still a prevalent issue, even if it's not going on as much as it used to.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. And, and I'll go back to chief Fisher here because of where he's located in the country. Um, When you're doing officer development, and and we're talking, we're kind of, we'll drift into this here in a second, but one of the things I started kind of really looking at from an officer development standpoint, and, one, you know, it's, it's so much knowledge now that's available at, you know, a couple clicks of a button when it comes to the job. But one of the things I recommend to young officers and even some of our senior officers, because I've had guys say, I never watch the news. I don't, I don't believe in all that bullshit. I'm not watching that. But, Chief, don't you think leaders today have to also be up to date on just current events that are going on around us all the time? And I know some guys like to stick their heads in the sand, but those current events creep their way into our firehouses.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you – you don't have to be an expert on it. Um, but you, you need, you do need to, it's kind of like, you got to have the pulse of your crew. Mm -hmm. You know, if you check in with your crew in the morning and how things are going and you know, everybody's looking like they're all normal. They're, you know, they had a good, good break, their five day break or four day break, whatever their work cycle is. And they're coming back to work. Everybody's looking pretty good. You know, if, if you don't have the pulse of where things are going on in society, you could be blindsided by something. And, um, you know, I, you could get into the, all the politics of mass shootings or any of the other crap that's going on in the world, uh, Ukraine. I mean, you can find anybody that's going to have issue with something. And, and I think you've got to be, I, I don't want to say, I'll say this word. I'll say the word, but I don't mean it in the sense, but you've got to be sensitive to, to everybody that's on the company. If you truly care about your company and you're a leader, you truly care about the people that are on your company, you're going to care about the things that are bothering them. You're going to give them the opportunity to kind of express themselves. You could have somebody that has, you know, Ukraine family members, and they're just really having a hard time with what's going on over there. Well, it doesn't mean that I agree or disagree with what's going on, but I do need to be aware of it. I do need to... Give them opportunity, be able to have somewhat of a conversation without having, you know, a position statement on it. But um, but I think that it is important that you you kind of know what is going on in society and you stay up to up to speed on it. I mean, I'm not I'm not big into watching a a lot of professional football. I don't have a fantasy football team. I don't do any of that. But I watch <laughs> enough football so that you know I know that the. Uh, I'll watch the Pittsburgh Steelers every once in a while. I mean, I watch them lose a lot. They did have a good season this year, but
2: Had mediocre but, season, but you know what yeah,
0: but you know what i mean is like I, I gotta to to stay engaged with the crew i've gotta have like some interests that allow for me to to connect with them and and if it's if it's uh, current affairs it's 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 sports it's family it's everything, and I think good leaders do well at that you don't have to be an expert at it in fact i think if you became an expert in politics or expert in all that kind of stuff you would just become worse as a leader because you would just have too much um expertise in that and not enough humility or not enough being able to step back and listen you know because that's the other thing that a good leaders do are they're good listeners and you would think that when you have all the information all you're going to do is talk 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 and you're never going to give your 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 uh, your company an opportunity to to
2: talk yeah and i i, I brought that up you know because when we, we started we when we went down that little bit of path of a of uh you know when we talk about woke and the generations and all that and that used to be uh just a monster taboo uh in our firehouses that you know we you never spoke of religion you never spoke of politics um it But now you cannot turn on any social media, no matter what it is, no matter how – even the most stupid parts of social media like TikTok, still that you're getting inundated with opinions, um, whether they're political for, political against, uh, supportive of this, non-supportive of that. And those issues do come into the fire stations, and I think good leaders have to, and I agree with you. I can't be an expert at, you know, the Afghan war or the um, um, or what's you know, what's going on every single part of the country. But we do got to be aware of what's going on around us and in our world because that does have a direct effect. And we just saw it happen here in Atlanta um, just a at night me... where pro- protesters started breaking windows and set a couple of cars on fire. So we do need to be socially aware, not just job aware.
0: Let me, just, let me just add this, Todd. If one of the problems I think we have in society is we cannot have discourse or we can't have a debate. We struggle at that. You know, we, we become you have to be on one side or the other. You, we we yeah. have unless we're, unless we're really close. Like, you know, I, I'm sure I can have differing opinion with you and you and I can have a great conversation because we have a level of respect for each other. And, and, um, and I think we could pull it off but generally in society we don't have that ability. So I, you know, like if if in the firehouse when I was on the company if a crew wanted to start talking about religion, I would never shut it down. My role is it was like to kind of play the mediator or play the referee to like, hey, you know what? Let's let's be careful here, but I think it's a good exercise in group dynamics and in a family dynamics that we can have a discussion about the LGBTQ lifestyle and, you know, and, and, a, and a conservative lifestyle and go like, okay, so why can't we just have a conversation? Why do we have to take sides and say, you're wrong, you're wrong? And I think that by allowing a little bit of that conversation in the firehouse is a good thing, but the important part, the exercise here is is learning how to have the conversation and not where we're at now, where we, you know, hide behind our computer or hide behind our, our phone and just you know, have diarrhea of the mouth and tell people, you know, to go screw themselves, and you're like, whoa, 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 hang on a second here. So I think there's importance in doing some of that that discussion in the firehouse, some of those tough
2: Yeah, and I I've started uh, years ago before it became even more of a, of a, uh, a, a big deal in the fire service. I started bringing these subject matters up in trainings, and you could literally see a room shut down. Uh, guys were just so apprehensive because you could almost see the split of, you know, I would throw out a subject matter and you could see a room divide. And instead of having a conversation, it was more, it it was just such a level of us And it it shows that we just, we have to do a better job. And I love, like I said, talking to your two young guys um building that foundation of communication, I think, as leaders and your job, like you said, moderated or whatever, um, I saw some, you know, straight drag out, even saw some punches thrown during some of those debates in firehouses. So those are things I think we had. Those are challenges that I think we better learn and get better at. And let me let me kind of venture into this because I think we're kind of already we're leaning that way. Um uh, Captain Rowett, I know you I know your foundation is from your mentor, but what are your feelings like on the importance of starting to build and when we should be building a leadership foundation for that next generation, the you know, generation whatever they're going to name the next one. Uh, when do we need to start building that general, you know, that that leadership foundation?
1: I mean, I think it starts right away. You, you go through, and we do, like like Rob talked about, the probationary period where you go through a lot of stuff. But I think you start working with people and teaching them to lead people right away because, it, at least for our job, we're a very young department at this point, and it's, it's happening very fast now. We're losing a ton of guys. Uh, I think they said we lost, like, a quarter. Uh, let's see. So we lost, like, uh, an eighth of our fire department last year. We're having a lot of people retire, a lot of experience walking out the door in the next few, few years. So we're going to get even younger, and people are going to get pushed up pretty quick. So what we try to do is we hire constantly. So there's constantly, especially in busy companies, rookies coming in, and you're getting time on somebody. And we try to give you that, hey, look, you're senior to them. Take a little bit of a leadership role. You're going to show them what they're supposed to do. You're going to t- teach them these smaller tasks. It's ultimately the officer's job, but he can let you do a little bit of it. And you're bringing somebody up, but you're learning as you go of how to teach somebody, how to help somebody train, how to, when you're one-on-one with them, how to, how to do some leadership things that start setting that foundation for as they go up. And then if you keep doing that, as people get better at it, they're becoming good mentors and role models to the next generation that's continuously coming in. like I said, for us, it's on a non-stop basis right now because we're just losing a lot of people just with what's going on in the city, but a lot of retirements as well, that's just stacking it up on us to where we're just staying very young. And it's pushing people up the ranks very quick that it, you're not getting shocked. It's not a shock to the system that you went from the back seat to the front seat and now you got to learn it all at once. You have been doing it in small steps. You've been You might have been only doing it one-on-one and now you're responsible for the whole company, but you do have some experience with it. You have interacted with somebody and tried to lead them. Try to train them. Try to show them. Okay, you made a mistake here. This is why we do this. This is the reason why we're doing this, so that they understand. And you're have you're building a slight a small foundation, so that when you do get to that that officer position, it's not all brand new. You do have something to fall back on, and you are going to develop. When you first start, you're not going to be just this great leader. It's gonna, you're going to get better over time as you learn, you know, mistakes you made, and you adjust to those, and you correct those. Well, those were done in the in the forefront, just in the firehouse. You were just being this, a, a senior guy at the time. And now when you have to do it and you, you're responsible for this whole company, you're not just, just going, oh, my God, my whole job's changed. So I got to start. It. I got to figure this out. You do have something to fall back on with some sort of experience of leading somebody. So I think you start it right away in small steps and let that develop up and that'll continue to pass down.
2: Oh, I love that. Um, Rob, what about you on the building that, that foundation?
0: Anthony hit it, hit it um, on the head there, is that, I mean, to, to our point about what I mentioned earlier is, is that as soon as you're hired within the organization and you graduate the fire academy, we are pushing you to be uh, a leader. Now, it doesn't mean that we're trying to push you to be the next fire chief or the next battalion chief or whatever, but we believe that the, the best organizations are the ones that have leaders at all levels. And understanding that um, um, you have the ability within you to to be a good leader. So, starting them young, um, I think uh, you know I would even go as far as just the generation now. I you know you ask what what's the next generation coming into the fire service? Because I get into this stuff, you know the joke is is that they're going to call it the iGen, you know, because of the iPhone and all the iDevices or all the devices, <laughs> and um, the the Gen Z has had the internet their entire lives and iGen is going to have these small devices. And um, so, you know, I, I think to you've got to embrace as, as leaders ourselves and as organizations, you have to embrace the fact that society is evolving. You, you cannot try to hold on to something in the past. You, you're going to get run over. And if you, if you resist, and you don't participate it's like do you want to be at the table and help guide this thing or do you want to fight it and then lose and that's ultimately what will end up happening and uh, so i i think you you know out in the front you you do you know you you get involved with youth organizations um our department does things within the community you try to find these young kids and you know you try to guide them in a way of of, of public service and um and moving them in the direction of, you know, what a great career to have. And you can do just about anything. I mean, it would be great to just be in the fire service back like in the 40s and all you did is fight fire and go and help people. And But now that's not the American fire service today, or at least we're, you know, we're in most parts of the country. If you're willing to want to help people and you're willing to want to take on the complexities of emergencies that we deal with and in the American fire service from EMS and tech rescue and all that kind of stuff, then we can turn you into a good leader. And, and, and the other thing would be is like, I think we need to spend a lot of our time pulling from the military. And, and um, it's just something that our organization, we're not as big as like Atlanta or, you know, or some of these larger departments. Um, we just don't seem to attract a lot of military people into the fire service. And, and I think there's a lot of, of potential there in future leaders as well.
2: Uh, I I couldn't agree with you more. And, it, and it, I'll see, I've seen it where we would get waves of that and then, then nothing for a while. Uh, and really, I wish we would be down at, you know, have some kind of uh, relationship with the military um, for that kid that, just does his two years and he's got a little bit of education. He's got that background. He's been exposed to a lot of things, but doesn't want to make that his career. And now he's 23 and didn't doesn't want to do the career he went and got trained for in the military. So maybe this is not, maybe we need to have those relationships with, um, military in our areas and, and, and provide some kind of resource for. Uh, these young folks coming out of the military after this few years or even after a four-year stint would be a great way to I start know, building that in.
0: I know a lot of departments Ryan. do recruit. I was just going to say, I know larger departments do do recruiting and are in the colleges and are in, you know, and, and try to the military will have these recruiting um, uh, nights where you can come in and, and um, onto the base or whatever it is. And so, so um, individuals in the military, they're looking at leaving the military can be like, oh, this is a career I can, I can get into, you know, coding or I can get into computers or whatever it is. But I think it's the smaller organizations which make up a good portion of the American Fire Service that are 10 stations maybe max, you know, or three stations. Well, they're losing out on the ability to be able to grab some of this talent. And if anything, those types of departments really need the talent. Because if I go to the LAFD or I go to the Atlanta Fire Department, you know those are pretty big departments that have pretty good structures have opportunity to develop good leaders it's it's like if i go back to my fire department uh, 15 years ago and we were five stations it's like we really didn't it was all dependent on individuals going out seeking and bringing back information to better the organization and the bigger you get i think the more opportunity you get to have some of those newer leaders but I got to tell you, we as, as a society, we got to get more involved in the youth to, to, you know, to try to steer them in the right direction. I don't care that they play on computers. I don't care that they are into their devices and everything. I think there's, there's great people out there. They just need to be, you know, we just need to help engage them and, and help them see that they can, they can use their talents um, to, you know, help society. And I
2: think when you you know you talk about that leadership foundation, and I think it does start, and it's probably something I hear debated a lot about uh, recruitment and retention, and and I think there's a lot of avenues. I, I would you know there's such a still such a push for this college and that college and free college. Well, not everybody's cut out for college. I I, I wish it was a harder push for the vocations and. I came through a vocational high school and fire service was offered in our vocational uh, high school, along with police and diesel mechanics and uh, cosmetology and, and, you know, the majority of the guys, and this was, uh, you know, quite a few years ago, but uh, the majority of those guys that came through with me and graduated with me got on jobs throughout the country and, and made great careers, but they had that early exposure to the fire service, you know, uh, from our sophomore year in high school and our junior and our senior year, the majority of our uh, day at school was, you know, fire service training. So I think, uh, you know, providing those and that just, and that really started that, that foundation, not just in the fire service, but seeing all the different leaders and seeing these old crusty, Guys from the sixty, you know that all they did was go to fire after fire after fire every day in dayton, Ohio, and um you know just just watching them and how they did things was just amazing to me and and such an education coming up into the um fire service and then into the leadership roles that I think the coming back around to this the leadership foundation and also development's one of the things I do hear. Um, And it it may be uh, geographically based, but so many departments are still operating under read these 10 books, read these five uh, SOG books and this rule book and pass the written exam, and then you're in charge of people. And I don't think there's enough officer development still going on today uh, and some of it is kind of what Anthony was talking about there. We're so young and we're getting young so fast. We just got to get these guys promoted and we got to have people in charge. And uh, I think we're doing a disservice to our citizens when we don't develop these these folks to be officers. I know you guys have a program. What does what is your organization do, uh, Captain Rowett, as far as officer development? Is there to take the test and now you're in charge?
1: So that's that's the way it used to be. You took the test. If you came out? you got made Um, now they have a lot more requirements to take the test as far as training Um, but also after you take the test they've got more things you have to go through and they've got more of a a checks and balance where there's things you have to do and you have to go to the training center for different things and they can kind of make sure that you're progressing Uh, one thing I will say I can only speak to my department and really the people that invested their time in me uh, because that's just where my experience has been in with and to base my opinion off of but like when i got promoted it was kind of still under the hey we made you you're good don't screw up you're on probation but the the mentors that had brought me up to that point didn't just move on to the next guy they stayed and kept investing their time in me and kept making sure i was developing to where i needed to be if i made a mistake they were the first ones to tell me but also the first ones to say let's fix it and tell me how to do better um, if, I, if I'm questioning something now, that's, they're still the ones I go to. They're still – their phone's always there. One of them I relieve in the morning now was probably the biggest mentor in my career, and it doesn't matter. If I need – hey, I got a question, he's making time. He's never turned off just to move to the next guy assigned to him, and I was never even assigned to him. I was just around him on a different shift in the station. Um, and it's just developed into that relationship. But they, the guys within the department, the senior guys, continue to mentor people even after you got promoted, to make sure everything continued on the path that it it was supposed to go. And that if you were screwing up, even if the department at the time didn't have a way to be kind of checking your progress and how you're developing, the guys in the field were doing it to make sure that things were don't going the right way. Uh, now we have a little bit more of a, a process to it, but it's still the, to us, it's still the guys in the field that they're just not turning it off, moving on to the next guy. They've invested in you, and they're kind of going to invest in you for the length of your career and continue to try to help you and help you develop. And uh, I know that's what's been really uh, helpful to me is, is still... I can still go back to the same mentors I've had since I came in into the job, and I'm just asking different questions than I was then. And they're still making the time. They're still making sure. If we have a fire and they hear, hey, man, they had that bad fire the other day, they're the first ones to call me and say, hey, man, we heard this. You did right or you did, you know, let's let's work on this. And uh, so that's where it's really allowed me to develop is having the guys continue to be invested in you and in the process, especially because when, when I came up through the ranks we didn't have the set program that we do now
2: yeah and i and i i know um uh for when i my first couple tests my leadership development was solely by company officers uh, we had no official program and it took the line of duty death of a member of our organization before we actually had a true officer development program starting with acting officers, um, not just, eh, well, that guy's got six more seconds than that guy and he's in charge today. So I think it's one of the things that I always, you know, I, I bring it up every opportunity I can. We're not just in charge of paperwork and fire trucks and talking on the radio. We're, we're literally as a first arriving boss on the ladder truck or quint. you know, got, I got quint in there for you, chief Fisher, um,
0: <laughs> whatever,
2: whatever that apparatus is, we're, it's more to it than that, and we've got to be way better developing people in that acting role all the way into the actual official promoted role that we're in charge of other people's lives and we're in charge of their family's lives while they're with us for that 24, 48-hour tour. And it's something that that we we get so wrapped up in all the other things. Uh, it kind of goes back to some things Chief Fisher said earlier about actually helping people and, and caring about people. That's a big part of it to me. Uh, as far as that leadership role and developing officers, that if you don't give a shit about the people you work with and the people you serve, you're never, ever, ever going to be a good leader uh, in this or- in these organizations, especially in today's fire service. Let me get a little bit of feedback from you on that too, Chief. I know you guys have a program, and um, some of the things that you see are benefits, and in in that acting role, especially, I think that's a huge area of weakness in the country is. Developing the acting officers and um, I know as a chief officer myself, I did not treat the acting officer any differently than I treated the promoted officer I expected and had the same exact expectations of them as I did as the uh, the station captain.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, this is I could I could talk for an hour on this and I'll try to I'll try to boil it down to my my sticking points. Um, in fact, I just had this conversation with one of the battalions today as we were getting done with one of our, um, our BC meetings, and we were talking about um, officer development, and, and, and generally speaking, so it's not every organization in the American Fire Service, generally speaking, there is no such thing as officer development. And, and, it's, and it's, it's, be, it's because we, we train firefighters, and we constantly do firefighter training, and when you become a company officer or you're going to become a company officer, we just do more firefighter training with you. And we really don't prepare you to be a good company officer. We don't prepare you to deal with people. I mean, reality is a company officer, a lot of what you're doing is dealing with people. Now, there are certain things that you've got to be good at. You, you know, what, one of the things is do we go education or do we go experience? Well, if we look at the experience, not everybody has experience or has the ability to have experience. If I was working in Atlanta or I was working with, with Anthony, I could say, yeah, you know, maybe I could, I could, you know, maybe I could get some, some newer or uh, some new company officers, some really good experience in a very short period of time. Well, not all of us have that ability. So how does the rest of the American fire service get experience? Well, you do that through networking and you do that through mentoring. That's the only way that you can make that up. It, It is, it's, It's it's an imperative part of your education and your development. You can't just like you know, you can't just take a test, have zero experience and and then become a company officer. Yeah, you can physically occupy that position, but you're not going to be very effective in that position. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I look back to when I got promoted. I had to go outside of my organization, seek my own mentors, seek my own training. And and um, and now, you know, part of one of the other organizations I belong with, Young Officers on Fire, we're an online mentoring group. My uh, my co-founder and I, uh, Ryan Selleck, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to span that gap. It's, it's mostly for those organizations that just don't have the experience. So if you're not out networking and you don't have a mentoring plan in place, you know, then you're lacking. The experience. So in lieu of experience, you have to do this. Now, if you're working in a busy area, you're probably going to see a lot of uh, hands-on experience that you're going to be able to use. Just the same as if you're dealing in an area where there's a lot of controversy in the fire service and you're dealing with a lot of personnel issues, guess what? In about five years, you're probably going to be pretty damn good at dealing with personnel issues, better than some other people. So you cannot replace experience. Now, I will argue that education is important. And it depends on where you want to go, you know. If 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 you want to be a future fire chief, and I don't think there's too many people that get into the fire service as a firefighter and go, yep, I'm, my aspiration is to be the fire chief of this organization or, or something like that. But if you have those aspirations that go above company officer, you you absolutely got to have um, a formal education. And I and and I think even company officers need to have some formal education too because. As today's world, you can't text message complaints. You've got to actually write the damn thing out. You've got to know how to spell. You've got to know how to have, use punctuation. You've got to know how to articulate an argument. You've got to know how to research things. And those things don't, you know, you don't go to college just so you can say you got this thing. You go there to learn certain skills and, and the ability, the confidence that you can do these things. And, you know, in my department, you've got to have a little bit of college to be able to test for company officer uh, to be promoted as a battalion chief, you have to have a degree and really to go above battalion chief, you have to have your bachelor's degree. And then to go above that, you know, to be at the, uh, the assistant chief and, and chief ranks, you're supposed to have your master's degree or have your EFO. I think it's important for when you get up that level, but for company officer, I think there's gotta be a little bit of, um, formal education, that goes in there. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean you got to go to a college to get it. Um, some, some individuals can do this on their own. Some, you know, let, look at it this way. What's the one thing all leaders say that good leaders do that's read. Well, if you're not going to put in the time to read and sit and read leadership books and, and read, all, I mean, all the different information that's out there, if you're not good at doing that, that's being a good student, that's education. If you're not going to do that, you're going to struggle at being a leader. You're going to be, you're, and especially with the generations that are coming up, you're going to you're going to struggle with it. So, um, I, I think I think the biggest thing is is that one of one of the things that new leaders need to do if you, you want to be a company officer is start seeking some people that can you know that you can start calling your mentor. And this is not like you give a call and say, hey, 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 Chief Edwards, you mind being my mentor? It's more like developing <laughs> a relationship, somebody that you can talk to, right? You know, I consider, Todd, I consider you a mentor. I consider Anthony a mentor because I talk to you guys. I consider you guys my friends. I can bounce shit off of you. I can tell you problems. I know I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get honest feedback from you. That's what a mentor is. It doesn't have to be some formal thing that, you know, this checkboxes thing. It's it's about having a relationship with somebody that you know is going to give you more experience than where you're getting experience now. So. Um, get into some type of mentoring program or seek mentors. Um, bounce stuff off of your mentors, and and you gotta network. You can't be isolated. You can't be in a silo in this in this profession. Um, you gotta network. I mean, that's that's probably one of the cool things about having the relationships that I have through County Fire Tactics is I get to see you guys, you know, a couple times a year. Uh, Brothers in battle. I'm you know, get to travel around the country and. See people, and you know all the other things that I do. I get to see all these people, and so I've got this opportunity to, you know, the, to 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 ask people like like Chief Thompson. You know, I can ask him mentoring things, or Chief Ike, or or whoever. You know, I have the ability to be able to to reach out to these people and and gain experiences. So that would be what I think. I mean, when we're looking at like education and experience. It's a blend of both, but you can't replace experience. The only way thing that you can do is is in lieu of honest to god true experience, which not many of us have that ability anymore you've gotta you gotta gain it through others
2: um, I can't disagree with not with any of your points. I think that you were <laughs> dead spot on with everything you said and i put that in some of our in our in our program notes about the Education versus experience, and and I've, I've heard guys debate this, and um, and and I'll be the first one uh, to tell you that Chief Fisher is one hundred percent right. I've spent an entire career educating myself. I never went out <clears throat> and got the formal education, and eventually that came back. The higher I was able to move up, and you know, uh, as a battalion chief, there was a lot of learning curves in there for me. A lot of other things that I was not educated on how to do, but I learned and had the had the right mentors around me. But when I made assistant chief, I was lost. I was a hundred percent out of my element. I I would spent a you know twenty plus years of my you know career, and you know more than that in my life, educating myself about fires and reading leadership books and reading fire books and and new tactics and hose lines and all these things, but in that position I uh, was in Atlanta for a very short time, Uh, I was out of my element, and I did not know 90% of what I needed to know in a lot of ways, and so I, I encourage young officers that have those goals I encourage senior officers that may have those goals down the road. to you know, the education is a lot easier to get. It's a lot more affordable these days. A lot of departments are now offering, um, you know, some college payback. I know Atlanta does, which I think is great that they offer that. Um, but get your education if you're going to be in those higher ranks, for sure. I just, uh, I, did, I used to be the, on the other side of that fence, where I go, oh, you don't need that. You just need to go to a lot of fires. And um, after experiencing it, found out that education was a lot more important in certain aspects of the fire service. And, and I definitely, I, I paid it for it. I really did uh, from uh, not knowing a lot of things in that realm. I believe um, Captain Rowett is just got a yeah, Captain Rowett is on duty today. Uh, so he just caught a, uh, I think it's an EMS call. So he'll either rejoin us or he won't. It's just uh, we'll see.
0: So uh, it's just up to up to me and you to carry the load now, chief. Well, you know, let's let's stay a little bit on the education for a second. The problem is, is that you know, in your like in your case, you probably had no you had no aspiration to be an assistant chief in the Atlanta Fire Department. You probably were pretty much like. When you were a captain, you're probably like, "I am in the money position. I love what I do. I don't necessarily want to do anything more and And then you kind of get enticed to the like, "Hey, we could use you at this next level." And it, it happens. I mean good leaders are are constantly being pulled by the leaders above them because they're like, "Hey, we need this this talent at this next level and 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 the, the problem with education. Is that you are usually behind, especially for firefighters, you're behind the eight ball. You know, by the time you get up there, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, now I want to be a battalion chief. Like, well, you you got to have your degree. Oh man, and now you're going, I'm you know I'm thirty some years old. I've got four kids that are all over the yeah. place. How am I going to fit college in? You know, and and you're you know that it becomes a problem. So. You kind of got to, like, take it at a slow pace. You got to, you know, try to figure out what you really want to do. You try to prepare for that next level. Um, I was working on my master's degree. I thought that what I wanted to do is, is, is be higher in the, in the uh, chain of command. We'll just say that. I never want to be fire chief. but um, So I was keeping my master's, working on my master's, so that just in case, just in case I needed it, I could, I could use it. And, and it turns out I'm mm-hmm. probably not going to end up using it, and I'm, I, and I'm, I'm not going to continue it. But you've got to be considering that because we always, get, we always fall behind on, on getting into it. And, and, and I don't want this to sound like, hey, you've got to get your college education. There's plenty of good fire, firefighters out there, company officers that have zero college education. But I will say, like, where I'm at a lot of a lot of the really strong union areas, like my my uh, my associate's degree was paid for by my department. I just had to go. My bachelor's degree mm-hmm. was paid for by my department. I just had to go. So if things are free, and it just takes your effort, why wouldn't you want to do it? That's what I would. That's what I would say. Now everybody's not everybody has that opportunity. And now it's like, well, do I want to invest in my own promotion? Because where I'm at in the country, you know, we don't have. We're not fortunate to be able to have our degrees paid for, um, by the, by the department. then that's a whole nother, no, another, you know, decision to be made. But, um, but I do think, you know, like, you really got to try to figure out what you want to aspire out of this, this great career. And if you see yourself, you know, getting into the middle management stuff, you know, above company officer, um, I think you really do got to, got to look into the, how do I got it? How, how can I nail down a formal education? So, so you can compete and I'm not just compete at the level of between the, the different candidates testing for battalion chief or whatever. I'm talking about competing with everything else because once you get into a big city, you know, you don't want a fire chief that was only a firefighter that cannot compete against the city manager in a big city of like Atlanta, you know, education plays a role in that and, and having political clout and, and, you know, on how to play those political games. That all takes a lot of, you know, talents that uh, you're just not going to always develop without, you know, formal education.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, When I was trying, you know, I was thrown into, uh, I was overseeing way more than I should have been as an assistant chief, but, um, you know, when we're talking about accreditation and we're talking about, you know, and it wasn't your, you know, fire reports and, those type of letters and, you know, those were, those were second nature to me, but now I have a stack of budget requests and there's this form and you got to look this up and you got to have this vendor and you got to know how to, you know, and I was just, <laughs> I couldn't have been more lost. And I, I literally, I, I I tell young guys who ask me all the time, take your time. Um, you know, if it takes you four years to get your two years and take four years, but You know, look at those goals, and uh, more and more departments are slowly um, leaning towards where you've got to have your associates to test for any officer position. So um, that can be debated all day long as well. But uh, uh, some uh, some formal education will definitely pay off as as time goes on in this career. This you know, if this is truly going to be your, you know, your next 25, 30, 35 years of your life, that formal education will pay off in uh, more ways than you'll really, than than you know at this moment, especially if you're a 21, 22-year-old kid listening, uh, it will definitely, definitely pay off. Um, One of the things that that I talked about early on, we talked about these challenges, and I think we've hit a lot of these challenges, one of the other things I wanted to talk about um, is, you know, Everybody's great at throwing out. Well, you got this and you got that, but I wanted us and hopefully Cap Murrow will be able to come back in eventually, offer up some solutions. And I know guys always have these questions like, well, how do I do this and how do I? And we, you know, we can't get exact, obviously, but I'll I'll start with you know, offer up one or two or three or four, just some leadership solutions to help people get over some of these humps. And you kind of grazed on a few already, Chief, but. Uh, Some things that maybe you have found that worked best for you or worked good for other officers you know when we talk about the mentoring and uh, some solutions to guys to become or be better in their leadership roles.
0: Well, first of all, I mean, this kind of ties what we were just talking about with the formal education, too, is um, be happy with what you're doing. You know, this is such a great career and that don't feel like rank gives you success, and don't get wrapped up in, in rank in the higher pay, is that you've got to be happy doing what you're doing, and so from a leadership perspective, if you're comfortable being a senior firefighter, senior man, senior woman in the firehouse, and you're like, I really don't want the bullshit that comes with being a company officer and all those things, then be, be the best senior firefighter in the firehouse, or be the best driver, or if it's company officer, be the best company officer you can be, but don't always feel like you have to promote up, you got to keep on promoting. Do it because you desire the next challenge, or do it because you desire what's there. Now, um, we, we talked earlier, I, I, as I said, like well, Todd, you probably were really happy as the captain, and I was happy as a company officer as well, and everybody... When you read articles and you talk to people who say I have the best job in the fire service is that of the company officer. And I can see the reasons why people say that. But I'll tell you mm-hmm. right now as a battalion chief, my favorite, I love being a battalion chief. And it's because of things that interest me. Um, and it's not because I don't like doing work. Cause you know me, I like to get dirty and I, and I, I enjoy the hard work aspect of it, but I really get into developing firefighters or developing company officers, developing the future leaders and, you know, like mentoring stuff. And like in the role of battalion, I get to do that a lot more. And so that's what desire for me, that's what was my desire to promote to battalion chief is to do more of that Spend a lot of my time focusing on that. And I like the fact that, you know, after 30 plus years, you know, the wear and tear on my body, it's not as bad, but I get to spend more time on developing firefighters. So one, one thing I would say is, is don't feel like you have to promote as a leader. You can be a leader at any level. Don't feel like you have to promote to show that you are a leader uh, because it, the rank is, has nothing to do with you being a leader. It's just a, it's just a title. And leader is, you know, is, is, is your attitude and how you approach people and how you approach problems. So you don't have to promote up to be a good leader. Um, I already mentioned, you know, networking is extremely important for being a better leader. Uh, you gotta, you gotta fill, you gotta fill this this uh, void that you're gonna have of lack of experience and whatever it may be. It might be fires, it might be EMS, it might be uh, how to deal with people. So, network with a bunch of firefighters. Go to conferences. Get outside of your your, your organization. You'll be amazed at what other organizations do that are very similar to your organization. But you'll be amazed is like, there is other solutions than the solutions that are in your region. Um, and know that local firefighting is important, but you, you can also, having a better understanding of what's going on outside your area or your region is going to influence and help you understand better what's going on in there. So, networking is important. Um, you know, networking leads to mentoring, so have some people some firefighters um, at all levels that you can bounce shit off of and, and gain some things. Um, I, you know, I, 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 I try to do a lot of reading. I'm not the best reader cause I got to stay committed to it for a long period of time, but I, you know, I'm reading multiple books right now and I try to get through and, and so I'm always looking at trying to better myself. And so, so I think good leaders are those that are, are doing a lot of reading that are reading a lot of articles, that are, that are, you know, don't just read something. Read it, regurgitate it, try to understand it, and try to apply it. That's the key. You, you know, you can read all the books in the world, and if you don't ever apply it or never try to apply it, what benefit is there for you to read? You've got to try to apply it, and you've got to work through it. It's not going to be perfect. Um, other thing for leaders is, is failure is, is part of the growth and if you are afraid to fail you're going to struggle at being a leader. You've got to you've got to be open to learning and 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 being a part of that growth curve. So um you know, I think the best leaders and this comes from Jocko and I'm and Jocko gets overused a lot. I mean, he did a he did a good job for he does a good job for the American Fire Service and 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 basically public service in general for police and fire and 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 what he's brought contributed um, to our, our industry or our profession. But, you know, Jocko talks about the best leaders don't have egos and they have no personal agendas. And basically they are mission focused and they're just trying to figure out how best to do it. If, if you want to be a really good leader, do not have an ego, do not have a personal agenda, be mission focused and try to do the best that you can and no you know, be the best that you can at that moment, but always trying to be better so that you can be better the next time. And so I think that's a good approach to it. And then the other thing I would say is I love James Mattis. General Mattis is, is he's, he's one of my favorites when it comes to a lot of leadership stuff. Uh, he has his three Cs, which is caring, competency, and conviction. And so I build off of those three Cs, and, and I add courage, calm, and commitment and the three C's for him is you have to care about your people. You have to care about your people to be a good leader. We've been talking about it all night. You you have to have competency. So there's your experience, your formal education, and your experience. If you do not know how to do the job, and again, this is something we've talked about all night. If you are bullshitting your crews, you're bullshitting your firefighters. You're going to be made. You're going to be made. Um, you know. You're going to be brought out, and you're going to you're going to be made well aware that you are you do not know your shit. Mm-hmm. Um, Conviction, yep. basically, again. Oh, I agree with you. that You will get called out. <laughs> you will be called out. Um, Conviction, and that and that just means strong belief or opinions. You've got to stand behind things you believe. You cannot be wishy washy, you know. And you you've got to have an opinion on something you've got to stick to it and then when it changes it's okay to change it's okay to say hey i thought uh transitional attack was very effective but you know what the more i've started to read data and the more i've got my own experience i'm two times faster by going through the front door and doing a push attack and getting right to the getting right to the fire you know changing your position on it you get a lot of credibility as a leader when you can say, hey, you know what? I've changed my position on it, and here's the reasons why. Um, courage. I don't mean courage as in being courageous in the job and taking risk that way. I mean courage as a leader. And one of my frustrations as a battalion chief is newer company officers constantly calling me to get an answer. And I'm like, well, we pay you a lot of money. We promoted you to be a company officer. You make the goddamn you make the goddamn um, answer here. You come up with the solution, okay? Don't ask me for the, for the answer. Make a decision and stand behind it. Now, are you going to be wrong sometimes? Yep. And that's called, that's, called, that's called taking a risk for your people, meaning that you were decisive. You made a decision. The battalion chief said, no, we ain't doing that. You know, maybe you get a little butt chewing or something or like, hey, I don't know what you, why you came to this or whatever it is. No problem. Okay, pick yourself up. You made, you know, you made a decision on the, on the behalf of your crew. Your crew loves the fact that you stood up for them, but you didn't lose anything. You gained credibility. Calm, being calm. I think having a good demeanor and where you're either on a call or you're in a very stressful situation. When you're super calm, it, it just I – mean, I think it just raises you as a leader in, in, in the company. Uh, firefighters like working for calm people that, you know, they don't get rattled too much. And then the last one, commitment, is, is focusing the commitment to the position. And, again, going back to what Jocko says, commitment to the mission. Understand what your mission is. And we all have a little bit different mission in our organization. You don't necessarily get to write the mission. But understand what your mission is and and really be committed to it and be committed to the position you're in, be it you're the senior firefighter or you're the company officer or you're a battalion chief or you're a training chief. Be committed to that position. And I think when you kind of add all those things in, you know, you have the opportunity to be a really good leader.
2: Yeah, uh, that was very, I, there's not much I can add to that. I think, I think we're both coming from a lot of the same, uh, the, you know, same areas, one of the thing's when, when I write down and, and I have a list that I operate from and I have a list that I share around in all sorts of development. And one, <coughs> I'm not going through the whole thing, but one of the, one of the, one of the ones I really, really love to try to teach people both future and current officers is everything you said, but I really harp on You've got to be open-minded. And that kind of goes back to seeing what other people are doing and what other avenues are there. What will make my company better? What will make me better? Sometimes it's having an open mind that, you know, just because, you know, the two and a half was the latest and greatest hose line at one time and, and the fog and all that be open-minded to new ideas and be open-minded to the the 19 or 20 year old kid bringing that idea to you i think that is huge for us When I mean, that goes back to being humbled and uh i recently worked and and uh, one of our friends c robson was with me and some other vendors and uh working with an organization here in the metro Atlanta area and they were very open-minded to our ideas, and instead of just saying, well, they said it, we're going to do it, they've done their research, they've done the drills, we've done training with them, and they're making the change because their leadership was open-minded enough to say, hey, this works better, and it wasn't just the leaders. They made sure their firefighters were exposed to these changes, and it was really just a very cool thing to watch uh, from the fire chief all the way down to the uh, the training bosses, This to have that kind of that open mindset to to see what else was out there and available that maybe make their organization better. And it was really cool to be a small part of that. I think um, one of the other big ones for me is being adaptable. I, I you know, we, we can't go in uh, very cool experience or very unusual experience where I was told a guy come to my firehouse to fill in, this guy sucks, he ain't no fireman, blah, blah, blah. Um, And after we called job that day, I I didn't know where that came from. You know, he, I kept an open mind about him and he was just amazing at the fire scene. So I think we have to adapt to people and being people all the time. We have to adapt to different styles and different people all the time. So I talk a lot about being adaptable and I'm a huge believer in expectations, just Unbelievable to me that we do not do more of this with our folks and I always start with you you know, what are the expectations of yourself first? And now what are your expectations of your people? And again, this is where we can't keep lowering the bar. I know there's a new debate out there. I don't know exactly where. I just read this article, I'm sorry I forget where they're talking about uh lowering the standard to get um other people onto their organization. To me, we need to be raising that bar all the time, not lowering it to fit an agenda. And and it's unfortunate that we're seeing that, but we've got to have high expectation of ourselves and high expectations of our people and our company as well. Those are some things we talk about solutions that are very easy to deal with. Um, One of my big solutions for company officers, and you were kind of hitting around this, It's okay, and I just got text from one of my crew members. uh, One of the best companies I ever worked in was 20 Engine. Best crew, one of the best crews I ever had, and one of the guys sent a picture that popped up in his memories uh, of all of us together, and immediately everybody responded to the text about how they missed those days and missed that company and missed those those, uh, days around the firehouse. And the reason we missed, not just for the – fire part of it but we literally had the utmost respect for each other um, me being as the captain those guys my driver my fireman and this we really just had fun every day no matter what situation was uh, we had fun every day and I think more officers would get would enjoy the job sometimes if you know it's okay to have fun we you know we're in a serious line of work and we see some really serious and bad shit it's okay to go to work and have fun every now and then. When you add in on top of everything that Chief Fisher said, and then I have a list that's about a half mile long, but we're not going to go into all that as far as some of the solutions. Uh, Captain Rowett,
1: did you get off your uh, save-a-life run? Yeah, we had a little bit of electronic alarm in a the warehouse. There was nothing to it. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, we're talking about uh... – it. Okay. <laughs> We're, we're kind of talking about some solutions for leadership. And uh, Rob offered up a few. I just offered up a few solutions to, to make, you know, for, your, for young leaders and even current leaders, just, a, you know, two or three solutions to make their leadership a little bit better, a little bit easier, a little bit stronger.
1: Uh, I'll start off with something uh, Rob hit earlier, and then you highlighted it, was just being humble and humility. Um, it goes a long way when someone sees you admit a fault or something I made a mistake you know that some people have a hard time saying that, but it goes a long way when someone sees the person they're following be humble and admit you know I can do better and uh one thing I've learned from you is when you know you have a fire, you go to that back bump that back tailboard, you talk about it. It started off with what you could have done better. go you know, go through what's good, what needs to change, but go first. Say what you could have done better because then the guys are way more open to and I think I could have done better here because you admitted it um, one thing I was actually a part of today that showed me for my job uh, just a, a you know good for the future was I was a part of an after action review of an incident which I've never been a part of one that wasn't just a critique of a fire and this was a, a mass shooting we had downtown on the new year's uh, city's new year uh, You know, big parade and all that, and that happened. And they had all the big, all the from the chief of department, his whole staff, all the deputies, the shift commanders, all the EMS division, all this, and just a couple of captains that uh, were on companies that day. And there was no finger-pointing. There was no any of this. They talked about what went good, what could have been done better. And it was like every time something came up that could have done better, somebody else was standing up taking some ownership of that aspect of what could have been done better. There was nothing where no one ever pointed a finger in the first place, but if someone said, man, that was on me, somebody else was saying, well, I factored a role in that too. I could have done this. And to me, that's a really good look for the future. That's what our leadership looks like is guys that are taking responsibility for things and seeing ways that they can do better, and they're humble enough to say that in a group setting, not just to themselves when they're by themselves, but they're willing to tell people, I can do better and I'm going to do better. So I think that goes a really long way right there. Um, like I, I said earlier, you guys kind of hit on it. Um, understanding your people and how to get through to them, um, I think that goes a long way. I've seen it as kind of one of the biggest growth things, I would say, of my time as a company officer was my experience coming up and the, the model I had to follow that I saw was more of that old school way. And uh, just kind of that, man, he's a captain. And then, it, it, and this is the way it is. And that's not necessarily always the way it's going to work now. And I've found, like, there's some people that the way I was brought up, that's what they want. They want to come up in that older school fire department. I got to be brought up by – I didn't come on a long time ago, but I came on by – I was brought up by the senior guys. And they were very, very, very strong leaders. Uh, they were very standards-driven. And it wasn't that they didn't care about you or your feelings, but they cared about the standard of the job most important, and your your feelings had to kind of come second to that if you weren't up to to par on performance. And now there's other guys that they just don't respond very well to that and finding a way to still be able to get through to them because they're still doing a good job. If you can just find a way to engage them, that works for them. Um, And then something you just said, Todd, and as soon as you said it, it, it kind of put a smile on my face. I'm at work today, and it's just we love coming to work. No matter what's going on, and you've been to my firehouse. we got the whole executive staff on the other side. The building's a block long. We can close that red door that divides the firehouse from them, and we can shut it off. It doesn't matter what politics are going on. It doesn't matter what's going on in the city, what's got morale down today, what's, good, what's bad, what's this. We can close that door, and we're going to enjoy being here. We all look forward to coming to work. People don't like having days off. They want to be here around each other, and that goes a long way. Um, one, to the, your job performance. If you love being here and you love the people you're with and you see it as family, you'll do anything for them. And that goes a long way to what you're going to do on a call in training, you know, to help somebody, all that. It goes a long way. Um, and then one thing uh, I would add with that, just to the point of when I got that call and I had to go out, and it was on that experience and uh education thing, I've got the education, I, I've got a master's degree. But what I learned that really imparted on on me and I was able to follow was being around senior guys that passed on their experience. And if anyone's going through a job like mine that's getting young very quick, our senior guys are walking out the door every day. They're retiring, they're leaving, and in the next five years, we're going to lose a lot of our 25- to 40-year guys. And that experience is going with them. Have your job find a way to not let that experience just walk out the door. We've got to get everything we can from these guys before they leave, and they don't just take that experience with them. My, my chief for most of my career just retired. He was a senior member of my job, 40-plus years on the department. We get two chiefs at every fire. So him and the ship commander came on together. Both had over 40 years. They were the main chiefs I would get at fires. We, we had so much experience watching outside as our infinite commanders that we trusted them so much because of the amount of experience they had. And don't just let that lead. Now, I know I understand, like Rob said, not everyone can get experience the way some people can. But what you do have, as we get younger, because we all said that's what our jobs are doing, they're getting younger, pushing people up to promote faster. Don't let that experience just walk out the door. Uh, You're not going to get it as fast as maybe they did, but you can still learn from their experiences. Learn from what they learned. That experience has a lot of value. There is reasons we do things that some people might just say, well, that's the way we've always done it. It might be that way of their portion of their career, but it was experience-based based based on some of those other guys from fires they had, and we're doing these things because it works for us because this, this, and this, or we did this and it didn't work, or somebody got hurt, and that's why we don't do it anymore. So don't let that knowledge and experience just walk out the door. Get what you can from it, and then networking, mentorship, getting your education, staying in the books to to develop you further, but don't let those senior guys and that experience just leave as these departments get younger
2: great points
1: all, all of them um
2: no doubt about it from both both you guys this evening just this phenomenal um th- just uh what we're going to do and this is what we always do at the end of every show always uh always want to hear those closing those last closing thoughts and and chief fisher you're the guest tonight let me be the first one to thank you for spending uh you know, this hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes with us this evening and sharing uh, just a wealth of uh, great points and knowledge and and all that with us. So a closing remark, and before you get into your closing remark, is there any place that guys uh, can maybe see you teach or speak at? Uh, anything coming up in the next month or so, a or couple months? Oh, are we losing? No, still showing in there, yep. Chief Fisher.
0: I'm right here. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hit I hit mute, I hit mute so uh, I didn't interrupt uh, while Anthony was talking, and so I was talking. And you're like, yeah, he still shows here. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was. Just, <laughs> I was just gonna say um, I won't be at the fire conference. Um, in Florida because I, I got these two academies. I got to get off the ground and it's going to be a whole month's worth of work, but, um, I will be going to FDIC, it sounds like. And so I'll be there. Uh, I'll be teaching at, uh, COBC in May. Um, got some other things that are kind of going on that, uh, haven't been finalized, but, um, uh, I, you know, really everything kind of changed for me when I went on days and went into the training division to run the academy. So, I don't have the flexibility of travel and and doing these things like I used to, and uh, I do miss them a little bit. But I also I'm enjoying um, the experience that I'm getting here at the at the academy. So um, you can catch me on Facebook. Most everything is Rob Fisher seventy two. So Instagram, Facebook. I think I got a Twitter account. I don't know if I'm tweeting much <laughs> anymore these days, but. But, um, uh, Rob Fisher 72 at com, and, um, yeah. And then, uh, young officers on fire. Uh, we have a conference in May the week after, um, COBC. We have a conference here in, uh, Washington state called writing the right seat conference. Uh, we have Dina Ali who's going to be out here doing some peer support stuff with us. Chief Thompson, uh, chief Mo Davis, Arthur Ashley, and uh, Kyle Ramagis, so um, I'll be at that the following week. But um, that's what I got going on for the future.
2: That's awesome. That is very cool. Um, and so let me move on to uh, uh, Cap and where we're going to be able to find or see you and your contact, please. Uh,
1: yeah, I'll be at I'll be at the fire conference in Pensacola for half of the week. Uh, then I'll be out in Astoria, Oregon, with. Um, who all am I going out there with Howard Ron Walt, Mickey Farrell and Nick Esposito from truck tactics um, then Orlando fire conference then me and you got our annual uh, live fire down here in Fairhope Alabama and then of course FDIC uh, to get in touch with me uh, Facebook Instagram port city fire training and then to email port at gmail.com very cool.
2: Uh, yeah, obviously a, a lot of us will be at the FIRE Conference. Uh, everybody from, uh, you know, obviously Chief Ike and uh, Mike Champa, Ray McCormack, Steve Robertson, just a whole host of just incredible instructors going to be in Pensacola Beach all uh, next week. Um, there's a lot of really, really cool things coming up. Uh, there's a local event here in Georgia. Uh, brand new event called North Georgia Hot that uh, we're, we're experimenting with. So that's coming up the 17th and 18th of February. Uh, Live conference down Baton Rouge. Just a, definitely one of the one of the cooler conferences uh, uh, to attend if you're in that area. Uh, Fair Hope, like Anthony said, FDIC. You know everybody knows about FDIC and where to look all that up at. And then uh, Carolina Beach uh, is another very cool conference. If you've never had a chance and you're in that area, another great event to attend. And then uh, COBC, obviously, back in Pensacola this spring. Again, I want I wanna just, to just thank uh, both Captain Rowett and, and Chief Fisher for the night. A lot of – literally a topic that could go on for, you know, five episodes and hours and hours and hours, because I think everybody's, it's kind of like that. um, Everybody's looking for the magic pill and looking for the right answers. And um, so I think it's one of those topics that just, you know, we'll always be talking about and hopefully improving because leadership is a lot like the fire service as a whole. It's, there's always changes. There's always different avenues and different perspectives and different thoughts and you know so keep exploring those options not there's not a uh, one size fits all when it comes to leadership and comes to your organization so always keep that open mind and and hopefully you'll take some of advice tonight and again thank you for joining you know spend your your time uh, whether on the download or live and we will talk to you when's the next one captain
1: um hold on let me pull my calendar up i got it
2: uh, yeah. It is. <laughs> I should have wrote it down. He's laid it in my notes that I did
1: <laughs> February 28th. February 28th.
2: All right. I do not know who the guest is yet. Uh, you better be off duty because I will be
1: in Louisiana I, I that, day. that day. I am off that day. All right, good. You it. don't have to run.
2: All right, good. All,
1: All right. I enjoyed listening to your insights other than when I missed it to go walk a warehouse for a little while, but I enjoyed it, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate you guys, and um, I look forward to seeing you guys again sometime soon. All
2: right. Thank you, Chief. Y'all have a good night. Thank you, everybody, for listening.